Strictly Legal, Osgood Professional Development's podcast on all things legal. Each week, we unpack legal issues currently affecting the legal landscape with some of the industry's leading thinkers. This week, the careers we make. And now your host, Amy Terhar. Welcome to Strictly Legal. My name is Amy Tahar, and in the next two episodes, we are talking with Elliot Bahar. Elliot is a Toronto-based lawyer who started his career as a Crown Prosecutor, then became a war crimes prosecutor for the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia in The Hague, followed by a move to Silicon Valley to work for Apple, where he oversaw global investigations into cybercrime and international fraud and theft, and advised the business on issues at the intersection of global law enforcement and privacy. This is part one of Elliot's two-part inspirational story. In part one, entitled The Careers We Make, we're going to chat with Elliot about what spawned his early interest in human rights, human behavior, and criminal justice. He's going to share about his journey of passion-led steps toward a career that had no clear path mapped out, but that fueled his career arc and led him from serving as a Crown to the UN, prosecuting war crimes, and then to Apple. He's going to share how all of this happened for him and why he thinks a legal education is still valuable. In part two, entitled The Justice Week Seek, Elliot is going to share details of his experience prosecuting war crimes, about how the crimes involving ethnic cleansing in Kosovo in 1999 of mass murder forced deportation, massive sexual assault, all informed his view of justice. We'll talk about his book, Tell It to the World, which shares these details and more, and I'll ask him what any of this has to do with cybersecurity. He's going to share about what's driving his passion now and what's next for him. Thank you so much for being here today, Elliot. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. You grew up in Toronto, and you've had a long-standing interest in human rights and criminal justice, and that led you to a career as a Crown Attorney, where you prosecuted cases ranging from fraud to murder. And then then in 2008, uh, you became a war crimes prosecutor um, for the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia in The Hague. Um, and you now live in San Francisco, as I understand. And I'm hoping that you can give us a sense of um, the career arc that that you demonstrate from, you know, your early life and your early interests, and then going to law school to, you know, your mid-career as a crime war crimes prosecutor. What a rich and diverse set of interests that you have, and that you've created into a career for yourself. And I'd really love to um you know uncover some of uh, some of the strategy that you used um in in approaching your career yeah it's a it's an interesting question i think i i've often found myself looking back and sort of thinking about how i got to the place where i am now and it certainly does seem like it would have been hard to predict and i've had a lot of experiences that sit sort of strangely or seem to sit strangely together although you know, I also find now when I look at like what my interests are, and I think if I told the the person I was in law school that this is what I would have ended up doing, um, you know, I don't know how far out I am now, 15 years or something. I, I actually don't, I don't know that I would have been that surprised 
in a way because these are all things that I've always been interested in. They just, um, they can seem quite different. I, I think really now, and it's easier in some ways for me to say this now because I have my own practice so I can really um, choose to create a, a practice that draws on different things that I'm interested in. But I really right now have two main focuses. One is technology. Uh, technology law, and that's a lot of work usually around data privacy, strategy around data and um, data security, cybersecurity as well. And then there's the human rights piece, which is really international human rights um, and a focus on international criminal justice. And um, really, I've had sort of those two strains of, of experience, and I've been able so far to to balance them. And so so that's great, but it's been a bit of a journey to uh, to find my way here. Absolutely. I'm interested in, so you developed, you say you developed an early interest in international human rights, um, criminal justice, and, and human psychology, and what really um, spawned that early interest? I mean, in some ways, I think it's probably always been in me, like my um, you know, I even look at my my parents and the combination, but my mom is a family therapist and she's always been very attuned with psychology and understanding people. She's just one of those people who really kind of gets people um, very quickly. She's very good understanding of people and what makes them tick. Um, and my dad is very interested in politics and international politics and uh, news and history and um, political science. And so I think those things have always been in me. And so I did my undergrad in psychology and I was always really interested in human behavior and understanding why people do the things that they do. And I, um, I, I mean, I really just studied it because I was interested in it. And I think that's been a theme of my career when I look back is most of my decisions and certainly the good ones have been driven by doing things that I'm interested in and excited about, and eventually things kind of fit together. Um, but I would find, you know, when I started my legal career, that the things I was interested always tended to involve some element of human psychology and really me trying to understand, well, why do people do the things they do? How do they, you know, when they commit these terrible acts, which is something I've I think I've thought about pretty consistently since I was a kid. How do they justify those decisions to themselves? What what are the internal processes and what's happening on a societal level? So um, I think that, I mean, that's what interested me in psychology. And I think that interest has sort of carried through to all the work that I've done. Interesting. And then from after your undergrad, you went directly to law school? Uh, I actually took two years off. So um, I wasn't sure... I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had often thought I, you know, I'm interested in a lot of things that law school seems to prepare you for. Um, but I was also, um, I've always been interested in writing. I've thought a lot then about whether I should be a writer, uh, could be a writer. It's funny when I think back about it now, because I, I know that, you know, when I look through my eyes from today, I can see back then, I think I was very interested in the identity of being a writer and the idea of it, but I wasn't really writing, and I don't think I had enough to say, um, which is sort of key. I think it's probably the most important thing behind writing, right? You of course. You have something to say. <laughs> um, but so, you know, it's something I thought about, but I took two years off, and that was a, also a good lesson in, you know, I was kind of the, uh, like, 
probably like a lot of people, but pretty cocky when I came out of undergrad thinking I was very, you know, I'm smart and I can do all these things. And I found pretty quickly um, it, you need certain qualifications to have access to uh, certain jobs, The uh, not even just what you're learning, which is important, but um, you sort of need access to the playing field. And it made it very clear to me um, why law school would be valuable. And and that, that was really important for me because even at times when I was in law school and I w was, you know, you get like everyone does at times, you get kind of frustrated or you, you feel like, you know, it's a long process. I always remembered that and I always understood why, why I was there. Um, but also in the, I would say in those two years too, I, um, I sort of, I worked and I traveled and I did my first sort of big solo um, trip then. I went to Central America um, and I, uh, I volunteered, I, I volunteered in Guatemala. I studied Spanish in, um, Costa Rica as well. But when I was in Guatemala, I think that was also pretty formative for my, um, interest in human rights. Cause I really just paid my way down there. And I asked a uh, local, it was actually a Canadian organization. I was doing really interesting work in Guatemala. If I could volunteer for them, if I paid my way down and it was a very good introduction to the, sort of the world of human rights, but I think maybe also to what you can accomplish if you just throw yourself at something as opposed to waiting for uh, things to develop or think people to hand you something. Two things I just want to pick up on. You said you had this, you know, instilled sense of why law school is valuable. I I do have a little concern that in today's <laughs> competitive legal environment, there is perhaps um, amongst student populations, you know, some questioning as to the inherent value of law degrees. So maybe you could um, and I'm a strong believer, of course, that there there is. My being being a lawyer and um, continuing <laughs> legal education uh, myself, I, I, you know, it's such a um, fantastic education for all kinds of diverse and varied um, career interests. But what was that inherent value that you saw in your own commitment to a law degree? So I, th I think there are a lot of different values that you can take from law school. And I think it's a, it's a very interesting question that I also think about a lot, especially when I talk to a lot of younger lawyers about like how, how to approach law school and sort of what it, what it hands you and what it doesn't. Um, and I think the path out of law school used to be a lot clearer. I think now there's... I think more than ever, you kind of need to decide what is it that you want to do, how do you want to do it, and how do you sort of go after that. And the paths aren't always clear. And that's particularly true for a lot of the, the work that I think can be most meaningful. There's no clear path into international human rights. There's no clear path to be a war crimes prosecutor. Um, and there's no clear, I mean, for most of the things, I think, you know, all of us, when you start law school and you talk to your friends like in first year that you've just made, um, people come in with all these um, thoughts and hopes and aspirations for what they want to do. And if you compare that to what it looks like five years later, um, I think it's like not a lot of people are still doing the work that they find really meaningful. I think I'm fortunate that a lot of my friends do and some of them have left law and some of them have continued in law and even the ones who left I think have drawn on what they learned um, but I would also say in, in in terms of values I mean law teaches you an approach to 
thinking, and it starts in law school, but it continues into the practice. And I think law school, like, I mean, everyone says it gives you certain tools and uh, the ability to speak the, you know, the, the language that lawyers speak. But um, for me, it was the combination of that with the practice that was really valuable. And I mean, I would say pretty candidly, like when I started law school, I didn't find first year really resonated for me. I it, it didn't really connect with the sort of deeper interests and beliefs that I had. But after first year, I went and I worked for, uh, so I went to U- UVic and they have a co-op program. And I did, uh, it, the first summer, I did a placement with a criminal defense firm. Um, and they just threw me into court. Um, and I was doing like sentencing hearings and meeting clients and um, like a lot of stuff that was hands-on and really um, let me sort of deal with people who are being impacted by the system. And when I came back to law school for second year, it completely came alive. So I took evidence and I felt like, oh, I get it, right? I'm not just sitting in a, a class and listening to the sort of concepts, which um, of course were, you know, these are concepts that exist in the real world, but I felt like I could understand it in a way it, it, that connected it for me and I got much more engaged um, and I think I mean even my marks went up from like after first year like to second and third as I really started to connect with what I was doing. And I think that's so important. Um, so frequently I hear you know these recurring theme of you know mentors who influence or experience is that influence that has such an impact on the path that you follow. Um, I know Osgood is trying to, um, with the Institute for the Future of Law Practice, facilitate some of that practical experience in legal process and project management. And I love to see that practical application in law generally because it has mm-hmm. serves a purpose not only of, you know, expanding your horizon but connecting the interest to to the practical um, implementation of what you're learning outside of that were there mentors that influenced you within law school or during that time in your life that you would point to and say you know I really was influenced by them in the future path that I took or Uh, was there it's a good question I mean uh, what's funny is that I think you know now it's not, you know, it's not uncommon that people either from law school or kind of early in their practice will reach out and want to talk about like one of my sort of two career paths and how I got there. Um, and I'm always impressed by like the caliber of students today and how interested and engaged they are at an early level. I think the truth is when I was in law school, I think I was less influenced by mentors and more influenced by my friends. Um, and I think I did these work placements, which had definitely an impact on me where I could see what it actually looked like to practice law and different types of law, taught me what I was interested in, what I wasn't interested in. Um, but I think my friends had a big impact on me than people who came from like different backgrounds and had really different interests and skills and were all very intelligent. Um, and then when I started practice, I think that's when that sort of the mentoring and the modeling and the atmospheres that I was in, like the sort of professional like work atmospheres really made an impact on me. And those things kind of get into your professional and probably personal DNA. Um, And I can, I mean, you know, from the crown office to the UN to Apple, those are three very different 
cultures and ways of working, but all had some really valuable things that um, I know are just in me now in any work that I do. And as a crown, I mean, it's just such a fascinating um, path that you followed. And as a crown, I mean, you were uh, speaking at the the Ontario Court of Appeal, the Supreme Court of Canada, and you've also provided advice to the Attorney General. And, and that was, you know, the beginning of your career. <laughs> How did that all happen for you? I mean, I was really lucky to get an articling position and then to get hired back at what's called the Crown Law Office Criminal, which is um, part of the Ministry of the Attorney General, um, which I think is probably the best litigation office in the country. Um, and I, I mean, I like coming out of law school and interviewing for articling positions. I don't think I really knew how good the office was, which is kind of funny because the other people, when I started articling, they all knew. But um, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do following law school. I knew I was interested in criminal justice. I knew I was interested in international human rights. Um, I worried a little bit about whether I might lock myself onto a path um, to do you know, that was sort of too narrow or not what I'd want to do for my whole career, which now looking back, I think was, was funny. Um, but uh, I think that, I mean, that office, you know, when I look at what I wanted to do, I mean, I was interested in all those things and I wanted to, I wanted to do things. I mean, I was interested in litigation. I wanted to litigate. I didn't want to watch people go to court for 10 years. I wanted to go to court. And I know that that's, that's how you learn. Uh, that's, you learn by, being taught and then doing and then being taught again and then doing it again and that office just has this amazing practice where they you know from your very first year you're given big cases and you handle your cases and you go argue them uh and so yeah i was getting into the court of appeal in my first year um, and, and in some ways my career went kind of like my, my career as a criminal lawyer went a bit backwards because i was starting off in the court of appeal um, I, I think I, went, I was at the Supreme Court probably within five years. Um, and that, I mean, some of that is just also luck around which of your cases may get elevated, but, um, like after you have them at the Court of Appeal. But then, um, then I went back and did a trial rotation and then learned a ton and brought the sort of appellate perspective to the, the trial work. Um, but I mean, that was a big part of why I chose that office. And I think that's something I often... I, I try to stress with people like with law grads who are coming out now is to think like, what are you actually going to be doing? If you want to litigate, how are you going to litigate? Right. right? How are you? Are, and what kind of cases are meaningful to you? And the, and the people that I know in the, in the legal profession who like their jobs, they all like it because of what they do. Which sounds obvious, but it's not when you're in law school because you don't know what the practice of law <laughs> looks like. And so I think there are a lot of people, I mean, people go into corporate firms often by default because they think that that's the most sort of prestigious thing to do. And I think they have an image of themselves walking around briskly in a hallway wearing a suit. But uh, the people I know who like working in firms like it because they like the work they do at the firm. Yeah. But it's tough, right? Because you don't know what that work looks like often when you're in school. So unless you have some way to expose yourself to it, and I mean, you don't you don't have to nail it right when you come out of law school. You there's a process usually to I think inevitably where you end up sort of doing different work and you can gravitate to what most 
draws you, but I know it's a source of anxiety for a lot of students. And so given your early interest then, what drew you would be built on the that early foundation into your work um, in 2008, um, joining as a war crimes prosecutor for the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. It's a real mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. trying not to use the acronym, yeah. just for the benefit of our <laughs> listeners. Um, but wow. So how did you make that jump then? You know, it's funny because in law school, I was already so interested in war crimes um, and international criminal work. And if I could have gotten a job at one of the tribunals, even, you know, them doing the most junior thing, I would have been very happy to do it. Um, but I, it ended up that, I mean, there is no sort of clear or easy path into the international criminal work. So I, I ended up at this job at the um, at the Crown and got a real, like, sort of learning crash course in advocacy and criminal advocacy and running trials and arguing legal issues like on appeal and it turned out that there like there could not have been a better sort of grounding for my career than that and it meant that when I got to the ICTY um, or the Yugoslavia Tribunal <laughs> um, I I think I was far more qualified than if I had spent five years at the tribunal so um, you know the sort of specifics of how I ended up there are that I mean, there was definitely some serendipity involved, but I was really interested in that kind of work. After I'd been um, at my crown office for about five years, I um, basically started reaching out to see if I could like get in touch with people and apply. And the Yugoslavia Tribunal was hiring, and my office, uh, the crown office, had a really good reputation. Um, and so, like Norm Farrell, who's the what then was the deputy prosecutor at the Yugoslavia Tribunal, um, he was had been in the same office. And now, now actually, James Stewart, who was at the office when I was there, he's now the deputy prosecutor at the ICC. So um, that you know that office has sort of cast a big shadow. So I know that they that definitely helped my application and you know kind of got attention. But I was very fortunate that they needed people. Um, to start right away. So I, yeah, I applied, um, got the job. My um, office in Toronto gave me a leave and I hit the ground running pretty quickly. What an exciting moment that must have been. And you've shared a lot about that experience in a book you wrote called Tell It to the World. Um, It's all about international justice and the secret campaign to hide mass murder in Kosovo. I picked up a copy of the book and haven't been able to um, put it down since it's, it's, fascinating, um, really interesting, not just for uh, the social science and historical perspective that you provide, um, but also for this, um, you know, view of justice that you've taken away from your experience there. And I want to get into that next time. You've been listening to Strictly Legal. Join us next time for the conclusion of Amy's interview with Elliot Bahar. To browse our catalog of continuing legal education opportunities, please visit us at www.osgoodpd.ca.